looking for some new podcasts to listen to? Well, Rat Sound Review Network has plenty of shows to choose from. Like Rat Sound Review, where they discuss the latest rock and metal news, as well as interviews and albums. Album versus Album, the King Diamond Podcast, with Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle, and sometimes this guy. Smack him a gob! Ralph Vieira is also on our network with the Vieira Bowl. There's also Old Man Metal's Musings, where he discusses heavy metal and beer. Music is Life with Lou Mavs. The Right Opinion for Those Who Love Politics. A South Park podcast called Suck My Balls. The Infinite Fringe. A watch-along wrestling show called Beyond Bushido. Extradivarius guitarist, the Timo Tolki podcast. And the great Harry Barnett with I Don't Even Like Podcast and the Laughcast. So check out RatsoundReview.com or search RatsoundReview on YouTube, Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Time for Rat Salad Review with your hosts, Wayne Noon, Greg Norgal, and Nate Lander. Chris Holmes is pretty righteous, I think. He was always my favorite Wasp member. Oh, yeah. Big yeah. He's a little out there. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah. I All still right. love the fact that he got knocked out with a frozen ham on that first tour. Yeah, yeah. I heard that story. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that explains we- some of his behaviors nowadays. I don't know. Yeah, right. <laughs> Head injury. Yeah. yeah. What a great lead-in to start the show, Greg. (laughs) Chris Holmes being hit with a frozen ham. Uh, (laughs) Welcome to Rat Sal Review. Today we have a special guest, uh, Bill Lindsay from the band Impaler. Hello. What's up? What's going on, Bill? Hey, just just sitting here with a hams, nice cold ham, (laughs) talking to you guys. Warming up, warming up for the show. Is it warm up over there? It's cold here. We're having like a, um, it's going to be like in the 30s, I think, tomorrow. We're going to have mm. a frost. Where are you? New York. Oh, New York. I should yeah. have known. Yeah. I like your governor. He talks oh, great yeah. common sense. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we don't want to talk politics anyway. No. We're here to talk <laughs> rock and roll. We'll get all these bad That's comments. Weird. What are you talking about this guy for? And yeah, we don't need that stuff. But uh, yeah, yeah this uh, is it about was shock like, rock, right? <laughs> this is about shock rock, and and it kind of fits New York right now. We're you know, like in a shock. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, you guys got hit very hard. We we're supposed to come there and play in September. No, really. Yeah, um, Rage of Armageddon Fest. Ed Farshley is a booker out there, and. Uh, he had to cancel it because he just said it's going to take too long for New York and oh, New Jersey yeah. to get back on their feet. Mm-hmm. And he wants to, wants it to be, you know, successful. He doesn't want to have to 
have people spread six feet apart from each other. Oh, of course. And, and everybody wearing masks and stuff in the audience. That'd be kind of strange. Well, I wouldn't mind that. That would be right. cool. At least they'd be there. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know I, but that would fit I in might, with your show, actually. <laughs> well, I might sound better with a mask over my face. I don't know. Um, you know, but uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. And then he was not sure that the venue would even survive, you know, being closed this long. And, yeah. We were supposed to play it. It was in a hotel. And oh, really? the name escapes me right now, but it, in Brooklyn. Yeah. Oh, Brooklyn. Okay. All right. Not too far from me then. About an hour from me. Yeah. We've played there. We played at um, St. Vitus. And uh, have you ever gone over to the St. Vitus bar? I know of it. I've never been there. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's where a lot of the metal bands are going lately. I noticed. Yeah. That. It's a great venue and great staff. And then a place called Lucky 13. And that's also in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that one too. Yeah. They had uh, dancer bars out on the... uh, There's a bar you walk through, and then you get back to the music room, and then they have dancer poles on the bar. So after things get rocking, they have dancers up on the bars. (laughs) So, yeah. That's interesting. So you got entertainment in the front and in the back. That's right. (laughs) How many shows did you have lined up for this year? Um, well, we were going to fly out for that as a one-off. Typically, like when we do things like that, we kind of uh, wrap it around a road trip, mm. but we were just going to fly out and do that show. You know, we don't travel as much as we used right. to. I, as I'm, uh, I'm, I don't, I don't enjoy being on the road as much anymore. Right. I like to be home. Yeah. I like to be with my family and walk my dog and, and do those kinds of things. So, uh, so what we try to do is play, uh, more festivals and things like that, where we can Mm -hmm. play and and a bunch of people from around the region will come to the festival and, and see us like, uh, we did Ragnarok in Chicago and, uh, Northern Wisconsin has one each summer that we do. And so we try and do that now. So just not, not traveling as much. Yeah. Also, it makes more sense, too, because that way, you know, people are going to be at those shows, you know. Yeah. You know, you don't have to play Tuesday night in uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, because that's what's available, you know. Right. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, Fort Wayne is great to play. I mean, I play Fort Wayne any day of the week, but, you know, just playing on Mondays and Tuesdays and things like that. Just doesn't cut it, especially nowadays. I mean, I was just, when I was um, looking up uh, some info about your band, and um, yeah, so you have a. I think your first album is uh, thirty-five years this month. Yeah, yeah, it's thirty-five yeah. years. Yeah. Uh, coming up next week. Yeah, it oh, came man. out the same day as Bonded by Blood and um, a couple other combat releases. Oh, uh, Venom Possessed. We were all released on the same day that that year 35 years ago um no not too uh the copy of possessed i have the combat flyer mentions uh rise oh, of the really? mutants on the bottom uh-huh it's got a pick it shows a bunch of the releases and impalers at the bottom <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i i think right underneath a bonded by blood actually <laughs> yeah yeah we all came around i i think um you know important out in New York, they're the, they were the distributor. They're the mothership for combat and IRD, which is the first label that we put out Rise of the Mutants on. Um, 
they also, I think, uh, released uh, Slayer Hell Awaits, I think, at, on the same day, too, because they distributed all the bands. Oh. They distributed Megaforce and Metal Blade and uh, any other metal label at that time, and, and alternative labels, too, but they were a huge distribution. And that's why uh, our records got into place, like malls, you know. We weren't some like it seems nowadays our releases are more geared towards metal shops, you know, right. punk and metal shops. But back then having that distribution through important was huge because it, all the malls and everything, you know, carried their product. So Impaler was sneaking into the malls there too. So <laughs> corrupting the youth of America. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, and you know that that's why I always loved the fact that you called it shock rock too, because I was really into Alice Cooper and those seventies bands. Because mm-hmm. my dad was into that type of stuff and the new wave of British heavy metal and all. So when I first heard Rise of the Mutants, I was like, "This is great! It's like somebody turned Iggy and the Stooges into a metal band." Yeah, and, well, that's a, and, that's and, a huge compliment. When, Happy birthday, Iggy! Yes, happy yeah. birthday, Iggy. He turned 75. Wow. Yeah. Still kicks ass on people that are half his age, you know? Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. Such a vibrant performer. <laughs> Absolutely. God, I didn't know he was that old already. Wow. All those yeah, when, there. Yeah. when I so heard hard. you do the Raw Power cover on uh, If We Had Brains the first time, I went nuts, though. I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we had to pay homage to the Stooges. I mean, the Stooges and the MC5 bands like that, that had kind of uh, not been, I don't want to say been forgotten. That's a bad way to frame it. But um, um, just make people of the new generation aware of those bands that kicked so much ass in, uh, you know, 1969 and 1970. So uh, we definitely, they were definitely huge influences as we were uh, forming and and starting to record and wanted to inject that into our releases. So, you know, if you don't hear it in the sound, then we made it obvious by playing mm. one of the Stooges songs. So. <laughs> now I have a friend of mine who's a huge Husker Du fan or Husker Du, however you pronounce that mm-hmm. name. Um, how was it working with uh, Bob Mould? Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. Bob, Bob loves pro wrestling. Yes. Probably yes. even more than I do. And I love it a lot. And so I'll, I'll talk we talked about that then as well, because I'm a wrestling fan too. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, 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 well, I grew up in the seventies, late sixties and I watched it with my grandpa all the time. So I'm wow. really partial to old school and we had the AWA here in Minnesota. So it uh, was a Mecca of regional oh, yeah. wrestling here. You know, yeah. it was, he was the big game in town before Vince took over, you know, the whole country. But yeah. um yeah, so we had that in common and our love for stuff like the Stooges, you know. Uh, he dug that we were doing Search and Destroy on the album that he produced for us. Um, one of our first couple of shows, the first and second shows, we played at this place called Goofy's Upper Deck in Minneapolis. It doesn't exist anymore, but um, all the bands would play. The, the local Husker Du replacements, Loud Fast Rules, who became Soul Asylum later, they all played at the Upper Deck. And... Um, and then the touring bands would come through, like Dead Kennedys played their Black Flag, the Big Boys. Um, so it was a mecca of punk rock, really. But 
I was inspired by what the punk rock bands were doing in our town as opposed to the metal bands were playing covers right. in bars, you know, and doing them great. But mm-hmm. I didn't want to, I, I didn't want to play other people's music right. uh, exclusively. I wanted to turn it around and play all of our music and then maybe throw in a cover of somebody that we loved, you know? Right. And so that's what the punks are doing. And so we went, took our demo tape straight over to Minneapolis and, and went to the punk clubs and they, embraced us because we sounded like you know motorhead and venom of the time which were crossovers to the punk and that's how we got rolling and who's do grant and um bob came down to the first two shows that we played as a matter of fact grant had a, a side project called noble mice and they uh supported us played with us uh the first or second show and so then they asked us they go you know we're gonna play at first avenue because we got this record coming out uh, and uh, everything falls apart and we're going to go on tour and we're kicking it off at first Avenue. Do you want to play with us? And we're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like our, I think our fourth show was in the main room playing with Husker Du. And oh, was, wow. That was amazing. So when it came time to do our full length album after rise of the Muse, mutants had run its cycle, um, we had a, uh, full length written and ready to go. And so uh, I was talking to the people at combat and they were like, well, you know, rise of the mutants. Uh, y- you could probably use a little boost in the production department, you know, for the, for the album. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, well, you know, don't want to make it sound like it was recorded on a, on a, a cassette, a Japanese cassette recorder. But <laughs> But that's the be- that's the that's, that's the wonderful the thing about Rise of the Mutants, you know. Right, right. But uh, and so they said, is there anybody in your town that does uh, producing that you could get a hold of and see if they they want, want to produce your band? And I said, yeah, I can think of two people right off the top of my head because Grant and Bob both were producing other bands. Right. Uh, Bob was producing Soul Asylum at the same time he was he took on our project, so we were both in and out of the studio at the same time we were using the same studio, uh, Nicolet over in Minneapolis where a lot of different stuff was recorded over there, replacement stuff. And, uh, so, uh, yeah, so that's long, make a short story long. <laughs> it was great no, that's yeah. cool, not because I, I when I saw that I was like, oh shit, my friend's gonna love hearing it because uh, he's a huge Bob Mold fan. Well, who's and the was huge in New York too. Yeah, I mean, they yeah. were. Uh, they were in New York Times best releases of the year, like, I don't know, like three or four years in a row. Yeah. I think one year they had Prince, The Replacements, and Husker Du, all three were in the top ten of the New York Times best oh, really? albums of the year or something like wow. that. Yeah, it was quite amazing. But, yeah. Cool. And even, uh, he's, a, he's my friend's a huge fan of uh, Grant Hart as well. He went to, um, yeah, actually, I couldn't believe the, the one day, Grant Hart played out in uh, Manhattan, I believe, one day. We had, like, the worst snowstorm here. Uh-huh. And uh, the show should have been canceled because, like, you couldn't go anywhere. Uh-huh. And um, my friend ended up just driving his car out there. He got stuck over a bridge somewhere, but he ended up making it to the show. And, you know, and Grant Hart still played. He, you know, there wasn't that many people there because a lot of people didn't show up, but uh, yeah. he still played the show. I'm sure so, it was nothing for Grant to go through a snowstorm because we do that, you know, every, several yeah, times a year around here, right. yeah. But exactly. rest in peace, Grant Hart. 
you know. Yeah. yeah. I met yeah. him when we were kids. Uh, we went to a church camp together. And oh, not really? a lot of people know that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. We went to Camp Onamia together in junior high. And the thing that we bonded on was Marx Brothers movies. He did a great imitation of Groucho Marx. And we used to like uh, just riff off each other, like doing, uh, you know, um, quotes from Marx Brothers movies and stuff. Yeah. And then uh, it turned out that his mom kind of worked in my neighborhood, not very far from my house. So a couple times he went to work with his mom and I rode my bike up and met him. And then he came and like ate lunch at my house and hung out during the oh, wow. afternoon. Yeah. We both did you ever, in the neighborhood. Did you ever try starting a band together? No, because I kind of lost track of him after that. And then this, this is how I ended up um, hooking up with them again was uh, it, it, there were two things that happened. One was I was going, there was this great record store that was in Minnesota in St. Paul called Northern Lights, where we got all of our, uh, there was a, a great, import place in the back called twin cities import and so they brought in all the new wave of heavy metal stuff that we could ever want or need and we (laughs) just flocked there and went and bought our stuff there and they ended up helping impaler get connected with combat too um but that's a different story so i was going into northern lights and grant was coming out and he goes bill yeah hey how are you doing you know he goes i got a band together uh called Husker Du, and we recorded some songs down in the basement here. You want to hear some of the tapes? And so I went down, and he played me tapes that they just taped their rehearsals on a boombox. Oh, and wow. Yeah, so I got to hear some of that stuff. And then um, it wasn't very long after that, uh, I went to go see Patti Smith at the um, St. Paul Civic Center Theater, and we were outside waiting to get in, and Grant was at that show, too. And there he was. And so, hey, how's it going? So then we exchanged numbers and we got together a couple times and listened to records and stuff. And then, uh, yeah. And then Husker Du kept expanding and, and growing. And then Impaler started. And uh, yeah. So, That's cool. yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, we didn't hang around together after things got rolling. You know, we lost right. track again and lost touch because he was very busy and traveling. And everybody, you know, but I'd see him every once in a while. It was always friendly. Yeah, that's nice. Cool. So, uh, Bill, I was curious. Um, I was watching the video you posted earlier of uh, the first Metal Fest you were talking about that you put together in St. Paul. Killer video, oh, yeah. by the way, in 86. But uh, it's kind of like getting a picture of the Loch Ness Monster uh, or uh, Bigfoot or something, you know. On <laughs> <laughs> primitive equipment, yeah, yeah, that was um, we for we put that show together with uh, at first when we started, we played with a lot of the punk bands because, like I said, a lot of the bands in town had the mindset of, of being cover bands. Um, but it took a year or two for some other bands to form, like uh, Power Mad and Vile was one of our uh, former guitar players, formed a band called Vile and. Then there was other bands that were kind of crossover, like Death Squad and Iron Fist and stuff like that. So we actually had enough bands to pull together to have a festival. So, yeah. So we did this at this old blues club where we had to carry all the equipment upstairs because the music room was upstairs. For an old blues guy, that's nothing to carry his acoustic guitar up these stairs. (laughs) But we, we had to carry all our metal gear up the stairs, you know. It was like, yeah. So that was fun. 
But was it because you had a question about it? Oh, I was uh, going to say, and then, you know, from various different playbills and things I have over the years, you guys uh, at first have just opened and played with so many awesome bands. Um, Any real favorites or standouts from that? Oh, well, you know, anytime you play at First Avenue, it's pretty awesome. Uh, You know, I think one of my all-time favorite shows at First Avenue, or shows in general, I would definitely put it in my top three for sure, it was just recently, a couple of years ago, we played with Mick Sabbath, and uh, <laughs> it was amazing. It was a great, it was just a really great, and um, what was the other band, Empire? Uh, they do Star Wars, Galactic Empire. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, it was us three bands, and it was just like such a entertaining night of, <laughs> of, of fans that had a, a presentation, you know? Yeah. Um, but anytime you play in First Avenue or the entry, it's always great. Um, I enjoyed playing with uh, Plasmatics and uh, got to sit and talk to West Beach, you know, during that sound check oh, and stuff. Was awesome. really nice. Yeah, so it was really great to meet him because I'm huge. Plasmatics were a big influence on us too. So it was just amazing to talk to him. And um, Raven was fun. There's so many different ones zodiac right. mind warp was cool because oh, i really like yeah rad. yeah uh and of course the husker do show was awesome too that was really i mean we were just babes you know and to be playing on on that stage in that room was very cool because i mean i'd gone to concerts there like uh, joe perry project and the ramones and stuff like that in the main room before i got to play in there and um so when we did, that was really cool. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah, seeing uh, seeing Ian Hunter there with Mata Hoople 74 was pretty cool. Yeah, I wish I would have gone. That was like on a Monday night or something, wasn't it, or Tuesday? It was. Yeah. It was Monday night. I had a stretch of concerts to go to, and every damn concert was on Tuesday night for like five concerts. And I was like, God, <laughs> I only... I because I won't work the next day. That's a young man's game. I just like uh, you know take a day off the following day. So I, I burned a lot of vacation days going on those Tuesday night shows. So I don't think I. That's what I don't know. I really should have gone. It was an amazing show. It was really uh really cool to see Ariel and Morgan Fisher too. <laughs> yeah, that would have been so cool. Yeah, and um, well, that was the first time I ever heard the Suburbs too. They were, uh, I got really into them. They're a real cool band. Oh yeah, yeah, they're a big part of the music scene from the eighties and and beyond. Oh, here's something else I was, I was reading earlier. Um, you had a, a big thing with Tipper Tipper Gore. Oh, the PMRC. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. the Filthy Fifteen. Yeah. Yeah, she made us a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> you tell teenage kids not to go buy something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. they're going to go buy it. Of course. You got to hide it under their beds or in their locker at school or whatever. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, even at a young age, I was in my early 20s, you know, and I was like, it just, it really seemed like political posturing to me. And sure enough, you know, uh, several years later, there's Gore and, 
and the Clintons on MTV, you know, mm. you know, casting for the young vote, you know, and I was just like, man, that's hypocritical, isn't it? <laughs> but that's politics, you know. But yeah, Washington so, wise. Yeah, they held our. So this is back in the days, you know, before the internet and um, before cable TV or any of that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. so I'd get a call like from somebody over at Combat and they were going, hey, they were holding your album up on Nightline last night. And I was like, really? Why? And they said, because there's these what these wives in Washington that are upset about, you know, rap music. And so they're protesting it. And you're one of the bands. And I was like, are you kidding? That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> and so then they'd call me up, you know, and say, uh, oh, they had your album on Sally Jesse Raphael, or they had your album on Phil Donahue. And then they were sending me um, uh, Xerox of uh, newspapers, like the LA Times and different stuff that had articles. And they had Rise of the Mutants pictured in the paper in cities I never even played in, you know, right. at that point. So that was that was kind of mind-boggling. And then at the, about the same time, there's a local chapter that was here called the Peters Brothers. They were uh, record evangelists that um, had record burnings, and they had a whole big uh, video uh, presentation that they go to schools and churches about the truth about rock, and it was all about you know the, the evils of rock music and. Um, my youngest brother, he went to a private school and they actually came to a school and he was sitting watching the presentation and all of a sudden there's Rise of the Mutants is on their screen and they're ranting and raving about, you know, how disgusting Impaler is. After the presentation, my brother approached him and said, hey, you know, that band Impaler, that's my brother's band. And they're going, you're kidding. We thought they were from Los Angeles or London or something. They didn't even know we were from Minnesota. <laughs> So, so then that kind of fired up, uh, you know, kind of uh, a, a battle between our factions, you know, because we went on different TV shows and radio shows and debated with them about our stance, you know, on right. uh, rock music and their stance on rock music. And it was, you know, obviously different. Of course. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that was all good stuff. And it was like it generated tons of press and and tv and radio time you know just Man. having these people dislike us so i i laughed all the way to the bank is what i like to say <laughs> yeah one of my favorite things about the complaints was always they it, all of them seem to have such a hang up about the piece of raw meat yeah <laughs> <laughs> but mothers were always trying to get their kids to eat their liver so i don't know i thought i was more of a role model really <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's all taken straight from Night of the Living Dead. That was such a influential movie to me when I saw it. And I just saw so many ideas to use in a uh, rock presentation from all the horror movies I watched back then. You know, there was a big influence on how we were visually, you know, presenting ourselves. So, yeah, that's from Night of the Living Dead. That's the whole scene where the, um, the kid's truck blows up and all the zombies come out and start chowing on the body parts. And one of them has a chunk of liver in his mouth, almost exactly like I do on that cover. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And that's a great image. And um, that's, 
obviously one of my favorite things about Impaler. Love the stage show. Thank you. Yeah, yeah we, we always try hard to entertain people, you know. We want them to be entertained. And I, and, you know, really, you're probably the only band besides Alice that has continued to do that. It's, well, Kiss. It's sh- Kiss, well. you know, and uh, I don't know. I haven't seen Nasty Savage recently. I don't know if they, I know that they play intermittently, but I don't know how much of their show they still do or anything. I couldn't comment on that. But um, it'd be awesome if you were still smashing TV sets. War is still around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. War will never die. <laughs> yeah. yeah have you ever heard of the uh, band Saint Madness? Yeah. Yes, I have. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so they're still going around. Yeah. yeah. He's the. Uh, they're out of Arizona, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I first I was... with him a couple times over the oh, years. Okay. Oh, cool. Yeah. Hopefully we had. Uh, what's that? I said, hopefully, pile drivers still rocking it up in Canada. Oh, oh, oh pile driver! Yeah, oh yeah, pile driver! You should check them out. Sex with Satan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I would. I meant more the straight horror movie. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. There might be. You know, there were a lot of bands that like Lizzie Borden and Wasp and different bands that um, that definitely flew the flag for a time. We played with Lizzie Borden um, probably mid-2000s or something, and um, I, I, he didn't really have a, a stage show. They kind of had scrims the, right, yeah. over the amps, and um, there, there was, you know, they just played the music pretty straightforward. Yeah, I think he, was like, he pretty much stripped his, his uh, show, the stage show down, I think, a lot. Yeah. Now he just like puts different masks on and stuff like that. He don't do like what he used to. Well, now he was here like a year ago, and he was wearing some big giant kiss boots. I saw some pictures yeah. in it, so it looked like he had gone back just really recently, oh, really? six months ago, maybe that oh, he was here. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, I don't know. We just do what we do, you know. I have a motto: I can only worry about my own band. So, right. <laughs> very true. I'm, I'm so busy just worrying about what we have you know, uh, keeping things going and, and making plans and coordinating things that, uh, I just, uh, kind of live in my own little world in that respect. Yeah. Now being together for so long and I was looking through like all the, cause I, I figured you've been together for like 35 years. You couldn't have all the same band members still in the band. That just, it, that's rare. <laughs> yeah. Well, meaty Bob passed away. Uh, oh, okay. Like years ago. Uh-huh. Um, we had, uh, oh, can you guys still hear me? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Something slid into the screen. Never mind. So um, for a while, Mike Torak and Court Holly were an impaler with me at the same time. Hmm. Um, Mike plays in a cover band, and they're quite busy on the weekends, and so he kind of bowed out to continue to work with his co- excuse me, cover band. Court's still with me. Um, everybody kind of took a little break here and there, you know, as life came up, uh, court, uh, laid low for a while when his kids were little and, uh, he was going to go to, uh, Votech school. And, um, so we had a different bass player for a while. We only have had two bass players over the years. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah, so, 
um, things are still very, you know, friendly, uh, even with people that have been in the band in the past. So every once in a while, someone comes back and comes off the bench and does a show or something with it. (laughs) And that's always fun. Like Johnny Strattinger, who was on, uh, wake up screaming recently, we did a a God's cover for a, a God's tribute. Uh, and he, uh, He's a huge Gods fan like Court and I. So I said, Johnny, you should come and play with us on this tribute. That would be a blast, you know? And so he did, and it was a lot of fun. Oh, wow. Oh, that's cool. Um, are, you, are you guys planning any more new music besides the split? Or Yeah. Well, actually, that um, as soon as we can start getting together, we, we actually have some songs that are already... Uh, pretty much partially written and we're still in the process of writing some more stuff. So that's going to be our plan now after coming out of this, because who knows how, how many shows will be available to us or anything like that. So we're going to concentrate on, on getting a new release put together. We recorded Well, we didn't record it, but we wrote a new, uh, a sequel to their Krampus song. Every year we do a Mary Krampus show and we have a song called Krampus, but this, we wrote this song called, uh, Krampus has returned that we played at the last one. And that's definitely going to be on the next album because Krampus is about as metal as Christmas gets. So (laughs) awesome. So that's going to be on the new album. And then we have a couple other things, uh, one called so much blood and one called thermonuclear man. And another one called, uh, the great hereafter that are in the works. And then we're going to use that to springboard and then continue to write, over the summer and probably record in the fall. If everything goes well, you know, if everything goes as planned, mm. if we don't have a wave two or three of the coronavirus or something like that, you know, well, we're supposed to. Yeah. That's what they're, <laughs> they're planning on it. So I don't, you know, that's, uh, that's laid plans of mice and men, you know, as I've gotten older, I just don't get too worked up. You know, this is a plan that we have. And right. usually we have a plan B and a plan C and a plan D. So, that's what well, we works right now. Hearing you guys do a evil woman, don't you play your games with me? Acoustic was oh, a pretty yeah. cool thing that tied me over. So, <laughs> God, we just got that in under the wire, didn't we? We played this. We played our first ever uh, unplugged acoustic set at the Minnesota Music uh, at the Minnesota History Center in St. Paul, uh, and it was on Tuesday. And Friday was when everything got locked down. So they uh, we got that in just under the wire. Everything wow. went south after that. Wow. That's strange though, because you guys got you guys are still not really hit too bad, are you? I don't I don't know what's going on over there. We're not what? Are you you didn't get hit too bad with the virus yet though, did you? Or or Well, I'll tell you, you know, I work at the um the only Minnesota uh coronavirus specific hospital oh really where i work yeah bethesda hospital in st paul and right now we're the only one that's set up to care for coronavirus patients and um the 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 surge is still coming you know we every every other day our census grows so pretty soon we're going to be at full capacity and then we're going to have to send set up another hospital to be corona ready so but no, we're not as bad. Nowhere near as New York, and um, 
our governor here, I think, in my opinion, has been really good at um, leading us, you know, the leadership through the thing as it's been going on. And I, I think for the most part, Minnesotans have kind of been compliant and, and good about, you know, trying to social distance and, and, and be compliant, you know, not everybody is, but I think in large numbers we have been, and I think that's helped us too. But I mean, we're not like Wyoming where they maybe only have six cases altogether. I don't know. I'm, I'm exaggerating, but you know, Wyoming and Idaho and places like that, they're minimal, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're lucky. Yeah, because yeah. here, here it's nuts. Like everybody's just kind of. And I, I drive back because I still work. I work at the post office, and um, you know, I, coming home, there's still as many cars as there are on like a regular day. I'm like, where the hell are these people going? What are they doing? And just yeah, and well, Walmart's are full, and like this, just, just, just weird. <laughs> it's, I, I gotta say, going to work, there's no traffic here, and if you go out on a Sunday morning, there's like, I don't even see another car on the freeway. Really, you know for five or 10 minutes. So I think people are being compliant, but I can see people starting to get uh, itchy about wanting to, wanting to get back to normal. And, and, and so I think more people maybe are going, venturing out. Yeah. I think that's, we've been locked down for a while now. So it's just like, you know, a lot of people have had enough. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I definitely sympathize with everybody and I feel the same way as everybody, but it's a very real thing, and I see yeah. it, you know, uh, yeah. in our hospital. And so I just uh, try and tell people to be diligent and, and stick with it. It sucks, but, you know, you just got to ride that wave and then get over it mm, and exactly. get over the hump. Yeah. Well, enough of my preaching. <laughs> <laughs> we need that, though. You know, people need to know. Well, um you, you know, it's true. I have to say, I mean, I don't work in the medical field, but, you know, hardware stores, essential business, too. And I see people all day, every day. Um, for the most part, everybody's pretty good natured and compliance. I mean, you know, they all just want to help each other out. You get your uh, occasional people that... Uh, like to stand there and bitch about the rights and they're going to oh, do it yeah. anyway because <laughs> yeah. they're, they're always fun, but um, it's few and far between. The, um, the the biggest problem is just, you know, you, you have to practice the distancing, so it gets right. a little stressful because you still have to deal with the same amount of people in the same amount of time. Right. But, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. It's kind of, it's unprecedented. You know, we really haven't had anything like this since the, the Spanish flu. And that was back in what, 1901 or something like that. You know, I was but, not here then. So I don't no, me either. I, I've only <laughs> heard about it, but you know, <laughs> the populations weren't as dense as they are now. Right. You know, it was just a whole different ball game. So it, it's really uh, uncharted ground in many ways for us. So yeah, it's, it's scary shit. Yeah. Before I let everybody down, um, how how do you work on music? Do you because I, I, a lot of people now everybody's doing everything through emails and you know internet. Or do you guys get together in a room and work on songs or? Yeah, yeah, we have a rehearsal space, so we get together. That's the best way that we do it. You know, mm-hmm. um, when you're in the room with the guys and everything, yeah. a certain kind of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I have done it the other way where I've gotten like files from people but with song riffs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's been, that's been all right, but I, I prefer to knock it out in the practice space and, yeah. and, and play with the, the fellas. Yeah. Are you trying to do that now? Like do things digitally at all or are you just going to no, wait? No, we haven't. Um, so I work at the, at the COVID-19 hospital and then one of our guitar players is a paramedic. Oh. And so, that's been kind of crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. So we have guys not, got no time. <laughs> no, we haven't been together since uh, since we did the uh, the acoustic set back in uh, was that in February? No, that was March. March eleventh. So that was the yeah. last time we played together. Was March eleventh. Wow. wow. Actually, another band that we've had on the show. Um, I was just talking to their bass player the other day. They're actually doing their stuff on Skype now. Yeah, a lot of people are doing that. Yeah, now that I know how to run this thing. Yeah, I don't why know. not? My other guys are <laughs> like me, so I don't know, Dave. <laughs> By the time we fumbled with it and got it all together, we probably could have written about three songs down the practice space. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> we'll get back down there. Yeah. You could always do oh, a uh, Skype live music video of It Won't Die, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if I could figure the thing out. <laughs> what got you into doing uh, all the, hard, the shock rock type stuff? Well, like I was telling you earlier uh, when we were talking about wrestling, I grew up in like the, I was born in 61, so I grew up through the 60s and the 70s. So there was a lot of great pop culture back then, you know. So it was things like pro wrestling, uh, when I was a kid and during Halloween, it was like there were armies of kids out trick-or-treating and everybody was dressed up and it was like a massive thing. And I'm so grateful that I grew up at that time because my kids even, um, my son's in his 30s and my daughter in her 20s, their Halloweens are nothing like mine growing up. No, no. And uh, I don't know if they'll ever co- go back to that again. But um, so things like that. And then, you know, um, there were two shows that were on here. One was called Creature Feature and the other one was called Horror Incorporated. And on Friday and Saturday nights, they'd show uh, old horror movies. And so my brother and I would just sit in our room and we'd eat that up, you know. And then on uh, Saturday or Sunday afternoons, they'd have matinee movies and it was usually like a Godzilla movie or Rodan, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then the rock and roll, of course, you know. I mean, the classic rock in the 60, late 60s and the 70s with uh, Alice Cooper and, and Slade and uh, Bachman Turner Overdrive was the first, one of the first bands that I got into. And yeah, so it was just a really great time uh, for all those things to come together in my mind and, and spark my cre- creative, you know, energies. Yeah. And um I guess I've never really grown up since then. You know, I feel like <laughs> the same things. So I don't know. You take that for what you want. But uh, yeah, so it, it, just a lot of wonderful things to be inspired by. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Greg, how do you want to yeah. step over you? Mm-hmm. No, that's fine. Okay. Oh, oh I, I saw you saying something. Second. I wasn't going to talk about it. Uh, now I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) I love you, sweet leaf.
<laughs> yes, exactly. All right, wrestling. Uh-huh. Favorite wrestling match. Mm. Oh man, I I saw a lot of wrestling matches. We used to go to them. Uh, well, I watched it with my grandpa when I was a kid, <clears throat> and then as I became a teenager, my friends and I we would go to down to uh, the Minneapolis Auditorium and see a lot of the live shows there. So I saw a lot of different stuff. I mean, so I'd have to ask you the question: my favorite live, my favorite match on a television show, my favorite live match, or my favorite pay per view <laughs> match? Which one you want? <laughs> All three, the, yeah, sure. All three, let's do all three. Why not? Well, you know, so like I was saying, we're from Minnesota, so the AWA was massive here, and right. the biggest baby face through all the years, the 60s and 70s, into the 80s, was Vern Gagne. He was always okay. a hero, and he was actually the promoter of the AWA. Yeah. And so, I was at Vern Gagne's retirement match where he uh wrestled against Nick Bockwinkle, oh, wow. and uh. That was quite a, and at that time, they'd gone from doing shows in the smaller Minneapolis Auditorium to playing in, doing the shows in our Civic Center. Mm. So like 16, 17,000 people in a packed Civic Center, you know, to say goodbye to Vern Gagne. That one always sticks out in my mind um, because both Nick Bockwinkle and Vern were workers, even as as they got older, you know, right? Yeah. Um, I saw the road warriors in the second row wrestle, uh, the fabulous ones. That was pretty sure. amazing. Wow. Uh, I always liked Jesse Ventura and Adrian Adonis when they're in the East West connection. So I saw them, um, wrestle in a cage match with the high flyers who were Greg, Gan- Greg Gagne and uh, Jim Brunzel who went on to be in the killer bees in the WWF. Mm. Um, so, I mean, those were great. Uh, seeing the Crusher and Mad Dog Vashon wrestle, that, that, that was amazing. You saw the good stuff. That was amazing. I mean, so my favorite TV match mm-hmm. is uh, uh, when I, I was in grade school, and it was Mad Dog Vashon and the Butcher, and they were wrestling against uh, the Crusher and the Bruiser on TV. This was the TV show. And both, all of them were busted open and just bleeding all wow. over the place, you know, on, pri- on regular <laughs> local right. television, you know. And this must have been like 69 or 70 or something like that. Wow. That one always sticks with me, too, because that was like I couldn't believe what I was seeing. These guys are killing each other, yeah. you know. Yeah. And then I guess one of my favorites uh, on a pay-per-view is probably the Hell in the Cell match with uh, Mankind. and I knew uh, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love the the Hart Foundation when they were, and then Bret Hart and, and Stone Cold the 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 Never Surrender match that was amazing. I don't remember that one. When, uh, it was a WrestleMania, I think, and it was uh, Stone Cold. And oh, was uh, that the one where he passed out? Yeah, yeah, he wouldn't. Yes, okay, he yeah. wouldn't tap out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wouldn't tap out. Yeah, so, that, was, that was fucking awesome. He was, he yeah. was bleeding like yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous. And then uh, some of those uh, table chairs and ladder matches, the early ones, those were pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, actually, the first time I saw Sabu and the Sandman do one of those in the ECW, that's, wow. a, that's definitely a favorite, too. How about you? 
What are some of your favorites? Uh, a lot of my, my favorites are from ECW because I, I used to go see that live every once in a while. That would have been amazing. It was amazing because yeah. that, that place, it wasn't a big place, but it was just like being there, the, the um, what do you call it, the aura, I guess, of being in that building. Sure. And that, yeah. that place was just packed with people. It was over packed. It was like, you know, beyond sold out. Yeah. Um, but it was, <laughs> it was it was just amazing to see. Any match there was just really good. I, just everything I ever saw in that building was like my the best thing I've ever saw in my life. Yeah. I mean, it was so grassroots and everybody was there because they loved Even the wrestlers were there because they believed in that and loved it. And uh, yeah, it was, that was a really amazing time in wrestling. They were putting the big guys to shame, you know, as far as I was concerned. Yeah. Yeah. That, that took over everything for me. ECW. Yeah. It's it's insane how that used to be, but um, do you still watch the new stuff at all? No, no, I don't really. If I uh, I watch old stuff, I've got I've got stuff on DVD, and I really have become a big Lucha Libre fan. So I like to watch uh, even El Santo movies are awesome because there's always a wrestling match in the middle of those. You know? <laughs> He's wrestling a werewolf or something. It's amazing. <laughs> we actually have a wrestling uh, show on our network. Maybe we should hook you up with the uh, show. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, they watch. Yeah, I love uh, it. They watch old Japanese um, wrestling matches. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there were some crazy matches over there because, like, Terry Funk and uh, Mick Foley and a lot, you know, Andre the Giant. All, almost every, Bruiser Brody. Everybody went over there. Bruiser Brody is another amazing one. Nah. Oh, yeah. He, he wrestled here in the AWA for a while. We had a character called the Sheik, and he wasn't the original Sheik, not Ed Farhat, but the Sheik Adnan Kel- Casey. Adnan L. Casey and uh, Bruiser was like his uh, uh, his paid assassin, so that was really a great angle. Brody would always come out. I work for the Sheik. The Sheik pays me good money. <laughs> <laughs> and then he beat somebody up, you know. But yeah, yeah. And um, I had a grandma down in Texas who was really into texas wrestling so when i'd go down and visit in texas i'd always sit and watch wrestling with her and she got into it like a, like a tv show wow. parody of a grandma loving wrestling she was rocking in her chair and screaming <laughs> yelling at the bad guys you know and uh so i i was blessed to have a grandpa here in minnesota that uh enjoyed wrestling and then a grandma down in texas who enjoyed it too so that's cool. yeah it's in my blood, I guess. None, none, none of my parents liked it. They, my, especially my father. He's like, turn that crap off. He never liked me watching that. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, when I saw that match I was telling you about with uh, with Mad Dog and, and the Butcher, mm-hmm. when they were bleeding, we, I was at a friend's house, and his dad came down, and he was making fun of it the whole time. He was, oh, there's a couple of sloppy eaters. Look, they got ketchup all over themselves. You know, <laughs> like, That's not ketchup. That's blood. <laughs> So, Did you get to yeah. meet any wrestlers? Oh yeah, I've met quite a few over the years. Um, actually, um, we had a pair of managers at one time in the uh, in the eighties, and uh, one of them was a cameraman for the AWA. So I got to go to the matches, and so I hung out with the Nasty Boys a bit. Oh, wow. And uh, I met um, when the the Rockers were here. That was Marty Jannetty and uh, Shawn Michaels. So I met them a couple times. And some of the other guys like DJ Peterson and some of the people that are weren't so big didn't go national, but uh, yeah. And then like uh, 
so there was a place called libation station that we used to sneak into when we were like too young to actually be in there, but they didn't charge it very heavily in the seventies, you know, and um, Hulk Hogan was in there just hanging out, talking to the, to the oh, wow. and stuff. I think later on that night he jammed with the band, but uh, I didn't see that, but I went up and shook his hand. Hey brother. <laughs> um, I'm trying to, Oh, and mad dog. I met mad dog. Vashon. He was him and, and the butcher were at uh Milwaukee metal fest that we played one year. And uh, they had a table set up and they were selling, you know, videos and, and autographs and taking pictures of people. And so I told him a true story about um, there was an announcer named Marty O'Neill who was here before Mean Gene was our, our commentator. His name was Marty O'Neill. And he lived in almost exactly between my grandpa's house and our house. And so my grandpa would be driving us home and Marty O'Neill would be out watering his grass in the front lawn. My grandpa would always toot the horn, you know, and we'd wave to him and stuff and he'd wave back. So I told Mad Dog that story and Mad Dog, Marty O'Neill was a true gentleman. He was exactly as you saw him on TV, off stage, a true gentleman. And I was like, <laughs> cool. <laughs> so yeah, so I got to talk to Mad Dog. That was cool. That was probably my favorite wrestler I met was Mad Dog. And the butcher was really cool too, so Wow. Yeah, that's cool. I got to meet uh, Mick Foley actually a few times. God, that would be great. Yeah, he was awesome. He actually, oh, my, really? my my mother used to own a, a store, and I used to work down there with her. And um, one day the door opens up, and then he's walking in. I'm like, "Who the hell? Why are you here?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> he just shaved his head too, so I didn't like really recognize him right away. Uh-huh. But he ended up walking into the wrong store. He thought our store was a different one, but he was a pretty cool guy. I was like really scared of meeting him because it was, I was young. So just just seeing him come in there and I was just like in shock a little bit, you know, I didn't know what to say or anything, but uh, it was cool. It was really cool to see him there. Nice, very nice guy. And I saw him a couple of times at a book signing. Yeah. And then then, uh, very cool. I would love to meet him. And actually a friend of mine, a friend of mine just actually helped him move. Oh really? Weeks ago, yeah. Before this whole virus thing started, right? Where the before. hell was he moving to? I don't know, but it must have, must have been <laughs> close by because he lives he lives not too far away from where I am. So. Oh right, I, yeah. I, I thought of another wrestler I met. I got to meet um, King Jerry Lawler. We oh, were wow. yeah, we were on tour. We were in um, um, Nebraska, and on this tour that we were at the WWF, they were still the WWF at the time. Were uh, we're doing road shows and they were in er- almost every town. They were there the night before or the night after us. So we went to this mall uh, to get some breakfast. It was early and I go, holy shit, that's Jim, that's the king. And, and sure enough, it was. So I said, I actually got a picture with him. So, oh, wow. yeah. Can I get a picture with you? Yeah. He was kind of low key, you know, and then yeah. the, the camera came up and he got this cheesy smile on his face. <laughs> Thanks, King. You know, I didn't want to bother him or, or be yeah. a hanger on or anything, you know, so. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. It, cool. You know, and the, and actually, another story. Am I getting too carried away with the wrestling no, here? No, uh, I'm, a, I'm not a huge wrestling fan anymore, but, you know. I, I'm, yeah, I like the old stuff. I mean, if I yeah. want to watch some wrestling, um, my son gets the, the WWE uh, channel. The network, yeah. Yeah, the network. So I like to watch the old documentaries and stuff yeah. like that. That's what, what I'm about. But um, so the very first uh, Monday Nitro was here at the Mall of America. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I yep. took my son and my friend, Brad, our guitar player. He went and uh, 
so we we saw that whole thing wow. and at the end uh when it was all over you know people were milling around and so I said hey to Eric Bischoff and Nick Bachwinkle was there too and so I shook his hand and told him thanks for all the good memories and stuff um but that was fun to see that and see it with my son you know because he You're was part of history there yeah because that was the very first one. It was in the rotunda. The, and we had to go there in the morning and get uh, wristbands. And then yeah. you could just come, you know, an hour before or something like that to get in line. And then you got it. You were sure to see it. So, yeah. Yeah, it was fun stuff. And it was the first show of that. And then uh, the first appearance of uh, Lex Luger when he just, like, appeared out of nowhere. At that pad? Yeah. 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 And, uh Hogan was still a face, so it was yeah. before the, the New World Order and all that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just cool to see it all unfold live. And Mean Gene was there, you know. And Mean Gene was our announcer here for many years before he right. did Adam. Right. So, oh, yeah. we're, talk, we're talking about all this wrestling stuff. Uh, rest in peace to uh, Howard Finkel, by the way. Yeah, Howard. Howard yeah, Fink. Yeah. yeah. That was sad to see. It is pretty sad. He's, he always seemed like a nice guy. I don't know if you ever watched that Legend House that was on the network. No, I haven't seen it. Oh, watch that. You will love that show. Okay, I'll yeah, watch. Like it. all the classic stuff, watch that because it's 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 kind of in a way it's sad to see because you see all the old wrestlers and how they are now, but it's uh-huh. it's very interesting because you can see their personalities. It's just especially uh, Roddy Piper. It's just hilarious. And yeah. that's who my story. Is and that's about. yes, Greg has the best. <laughs> I think Greg Greg got the best uh, meeting wrestler story. Let's hear it. Lay it on us, man. So uh, at, at the time, I was working for a uh, independent uh, little horror movie company in Jersey and mm-hmm. doing effects for them, a little bit of background acting, and uh, they were doing a Monster Mania convention in Cherry Hill, and Roddy was there doing autographs because uh, he was in They Live, and I had the table next to him, and I was just, uh, you know, joking back and forth with him all day. Super cool dude, but... Uh, you know, pretty much everybody that was coming up to talk to him was really just there to talk about they live, and he was getting bored. So, started talking to him about wrestling. And he's like, "Hey, let's go get a beer." Yeah. So, go and hang out with him, and man, we just got hammered. And he was <laughs> fun, great guy. And around that time, uh, he had done a guest voice spot on Robot Chicken. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I actually got him in the middle of the Crown Plaza Hotel, one of the biggest hotels in Jersey, where they were having the uh, Monster Mania Con, to grab a Slim Jim and go, "Holy shit, a Slim Jim! I fucking love Slim Jims." <laughs> Is that when Macho Man was doing them? No, that's uh, he he was riffing on Macho Man. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that that was the joke he did on Robot Chicken. Oh, I didn't see the Robot Chicken. Yeah. Oh, okay. That was why I had him do it there. But um, that's awesome. I, hanging out at the bar, you know, talking about everything. One time he forgot how strong he was, clapped me on the back, sent me flying about ten feet. That was yeah. funny. But um, I was telling him my one of my favorite matches ever is WrestleMania three. Uh, you know, the I quit the, match against yeah, Adrian Adonis, and he uh-huh. goes. Hey, you know what? You know why that was such a shock? Because I was supposed to lose that. But halfway through that match, I said, I'm not losing to a fucking pretty boy. (laughs) (laughs) So everybody was shocked because, yeah, he basically broke KFAB there. (laughs) Uh Yeah, that's um, awesome. 
Yeah, Roddy Piper, man, what a we went what to a, a Phillies game the next day though, because we were talking about baseball and that was uh about two thousand eight, two thousand nine around when they uh won the World Series. And uh-huh. yeah, we went into a Phillies game, super into baseball, real cool guy though. Great great personality. <laughs> The Phillies in the early '90s was my one of my favorite baseball teams. Crock, Lenny Dykstra, oh, yeah. Aaron Dalton, Wild Thing, Mitch Williams. I loved that team. And then uh, Toronto beat them in the World Series. But you know, like Lemmy says, "Born to lose." Yeah. <laughs> but what a what a what a conglomeration of characters that team was. That was awesome. And then Jim Fergosi would be smoking cigarettes in the dugout, you know? They'd, <laughs> yeah. They'd flash to the dugout, and Fergosi's, like, smoking a cigarette in there. Fergosi had a t- connection to the Minnesota Twins. So, I, I, yeah, I love that. I love the Phillies back then, and I still follow them here and there. Yeah, they're still pretty good here and there. I mean, that's, that's my team. But uh, sometimes there's more interesting games to watch. <laughs> yeah. They kind of took a dive when the Twins did. So, like, both of my teams were, like, just, like, down in the basement. And it was like, hmm. Well, they both suck at the same time. Well, that means they'll probably both get good at the same time then. That's my National League team, and then the Twins are my American League team. So, Oh, cool. Yeah, that's the way it is for me, too. You know, I mean, I honestly wasn't really into the Twins before I moved here. But uh, watching them now. I yeah, <laughs> and the Saints. We have yeah. a independent league here, the Saints, and Bill Murray's part owner. So sometimes you go to the game and and there's Bill Murray taking tickets. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, yeah, that's wild. Yeah, they won the championship this past summer, so I don't think oh, there's cool. any baseball this year. So yeah, probably not. That sucks. I hope there's still football. But um, before I forget again, talking about uh, classic WWF and everything um, and watching it on the network, I watched one of my favorite Survivor Series 97 the other day, which has probably my favorite best ending moment to a match ever when Bret Hart spits in Vince McMahon's face. And there's been a lot of... The Montreal Screwjob. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> There's been a lot of recently brought up uh, conspiracies about it that the whole thing was a work. Mm, I yeah. disagree. What do you guys think? No, it wasn't a work. That's what you never know as a wrestling fan, you know? You think you're a smart mark, and then it turn out you don't know shit, you know? So. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I, love- I don't see Brett letting that happen, though. No, it didn't. It's, that, that was real life. I think it was. I think he yeah. was. Yeah, because remember Vince had a black eye the next day on on Raw. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The whole thing he didn't want him to take that belt to WCW, so he didn't have a choice, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do you guys watch a lot of those uh, shoot interviews with the different wrestlers, and they talk about, you know, no, because half of that shit's half of that stuff's bullshit yeah. anyway. That's working up the smart marks there too. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. And half of that stuff's not true. Well, it's not Piper's pit. But. Right. <laughs> Hitting people on the heads with coconuts and stuff. Actually, are you a um, Kevin Sullivan fan? Oh, yeah. Kevin Sullivan. That was great. That whole, his whole satanic uh, 
or when he had uh, Luna and Woman, mm-hmm. and, uh, the Tree of Woe, and what was the two? Uh, he had those two big guys that were on, with him too. In the, oh, in the uh, Dungeon of Doom. Uh, Dungeon of Doom, yeah. Uh, uh, Earth, earthquake, but he was a sh- uh, shark. Uh, what the hell was he called? Uh, crap, I don't remember what, he, what his name was. It, it was escapes, like a shark. Yeah, it escapes me, but yeah. I don't remember. Yeah, Kevin but, uh, Sullivan was very cool. And that was Kevin, before. What? Go ahead. Uh, Kevin Sullivan, he was just on uh, that wrestling show I just told you about, uh, Beyond Bushido. It's on our network. Oh. They just did an interview with him. Uh, a few weeks ago. Very cool. Let's see. Check that out. Um, well, I don't know. I didn't really get to watch the whole interview. Oh. <laughs> but he, he watched like some old wrestling matches with him. So it was kind of cool. Yeah, that would Facebook, be cool. Check it out. Oh, yeah, you want it on Facebook. That was back in the days when um, pre-internet too. And so like if you were a wrestling yeah. fan, you were going to the uh, grocery store and pulling out all the wrestling magazines and looking at them and seeing all these wrestlers that maybe didn't come to your region, you know? Right. Like uh, the Freebirds and stuff like that. I was always infatuated with that stuff. And Kevin Sullivan was always in there. I was like, mm-hmm. wow, this guy looks crazy, you know. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the, the crazy thing is they, they a lot of people with um, Chris Benoit killing you know, himself and his family and, and a woman and everything. Yeah. There's a, this big conspiracy that uh, Kevin Sullivan was behind all that kind of stuff. But he just did an interview with uh, Jim Cornette. Have you listened to his podcast at all? Yeah, my son listens to all of them, but I've I've listened to a few and I really enjoy them. Yeah, he was just on. I think it was last week. So check that interview out because it was pretty cool. He goes behind the scenes and you know tells you from the beginning of uh, you know them getting together all up until you know Chris Benoit and that whole thing happened. It's a pretty yeah. interesting story. Sad yeah. story. Yeah. No, that's depressing. I don't even think I can watch that uh, Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah, I haven't watched that yet. You know, horrible tragedy, but I I have to say I do still enjoy watching his classic Japanese matches. He he was a very exciting wrestler. Oh, Benoit, yeah, he was great. And uh, who else? Him and Eddie Guerrero. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, oh, God, there were a few of them. uh, I'm, I'm drawing blanks on names now, but um. Yeah, there were a whole bunch of wrestlers that came up with that same era. They all came up together. Dean Malenko. Yeah. The yeah. Four Horsemen. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he was a worker too. You know, just like uh, yeah, it's a it's a crazy world of wrestling. We actually have a song that we're has been in the works for a while too. That that's called "Dead Wrestlers Heaven." And I try and name check almost every wrestler that's died, but of course it's impossible. But you know, oh, yeah. uh, the ones that I can make rhyme anyway, it goes. It's uh, something that's been in the works for a while, and every time we kind of get it written, then like five more wrestlers have died, and it's like, oh shit, I got to conclude them, you know? <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. It was sad there for a while. Everybody was gone. Yeah, the, the worst one was Owen Hart. Oh, that was. Really, all the warriors, all the warriors, yes, was sad, but oh, he, Owen Hart, was Owen Hart was awful. the worst. I was watching that on pay per view, dude. Yeah, that's so I. Uh, I, god, I was like 12. That, uh, yeah. yeah, that messed me up for a little bit. Uh, yeah, I was at my friend's cool. house, we were all sitting there watching it, and all of a sudden, they they cut to, I guess, the commercial, whatever, and we're like, what the hell's going on? Like, nothing, everything just stopped. I was like, 
Owen Hart's dead now? Like, what the hell? He was like yeah. one of my favorite wrestlers. I was like, that was terrible. I'm not a nugget. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and who started that? Was it Kevin Nash? No. Who started it? I tell Mick me. Foley. Mick Foley. Oh, called him a nugget. An ins- called him a nugget. Oh, wait, was oh. it? Oh shit! I thought I, Nash I called him an insignificant nugget. In I don't think Nash was there at that time. Oh, wasn't he? Oh, I, was, I, oh, no, you know what? I might be wrong. I don't know. Let's look I into it. Was, yeah, it we'll was either it. it was either Mick Foley, uh, The Rock, it might have been The Rock, or Maybe. or Stone Cold. Could be. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to find out. That'll be an interesting little piece of trivia. Who came up? with Insignificant nugget. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Going back to the impaler, because I was looking yes. at face, I was looking at your well, Facebook and uh, well, go ahead. I was going to say, circling back around, since we were talking about pre-internet days, I was going to mm-hmm. bring it back to impaler. See, sometimes the stoner gets things right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, like I had said, you know, I had discovered you guys through the the film Trick or Treat, and uh, it wasn't really easy to uh, find things about you because I was all the way down Maryland, Jersey, you know, other side of the uh, the country. And by then it was about uh, 2001, so I used the computer at the library to look you guys up, and uh, I wrote to Earl. And Earl Root, uh, Root All Evil Records, Wayne, you probably don't know, but... Uh, local here in Minnesota. Super cool, super awesome guy. Wrote me back immediately, sent me an Impaler Christmas card, a couple of promos. I ended up buying uh, the gruesome years. I think this compilation ended up being called. Yeah. Right, Bill? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I I think uh, that Earl's who I got my original Wake Up Screaming off of, too. Is that right? um, Yeah. uh Uh-huh. And... um, yeah, I corresponded with him for a long time, and you, you sent me a few signed things too, Bill. It was just really cool experience to be young like that and that everything you guys were doing and just to physically write and have it written back. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, anybody that wants to talk to me, <laughs> I, I'm flattered, you know. I, I like to talk to everybody that uh, that wants to speak to me, you know, or... or wants to write to me or send me a message on you know facebook or whatever yeah i mean you're nothing if if you can't connect with the people that like what you're doing you know yeah oh and uh rest in peace earl that was my other point awesome yeah really, earl was really great awesome. earl was a big supporter of impaler he was at some of our earliest shows and he was he's supported us since the very beginning you know and then he was this guy uh great guitar player and uh he opened his own uh record shop from up from selling metal records uh out of his trunk of his car to having his own shop and having his own radio show and then starting his own label uh he had a great band called disturb that put out an album back in the uh i guess the uh, mid to late 80s I want to real say eighty-eight. Yeah, real disturbed. Disturbing, disturbing the peace. Yeah, channel eighty-three. Yeah. So uh, he was a he was a great presence here in Minnesota and a good friend to us. And so he's out. You know, he's sorely missed. I was uh, Shawn Michaels, by the way. I called 
Owen Hart and Nugget. Okay. Uh, Shawn Michaels. Some, is some a reason prick. I had. I hate that guy. Some reason I had somebody else. <laughs> that must have been why. He also has a lazy eye. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> my my other. Oh, oh crap. <laughs> Knocked everything down. Well, I'm very the unprofessional. I asked earlier that I couldn't remember that I drew Here a blank go. on was I was going to say who designed the logo, Bill? I've always been curious. Um, somebody that was working with Combat. I had like a really crude one that we used in our early flyers and stuff, and um, we sent Combat a mock-up of kind of what we wanted the cover to look like because that was very much our idea. Of, of how we want to rise of the mutants to look. And then they had a professional artist do a logo for us. And then he kept the, the, the blade. I had a couple of letters that were looked like blades. And so he kept that and used it in the, the P on the impaler. So, so yeah. So it would look much better than the one I used to draw, you know, <laughs> with my crayon. I think I have that on a poster. Uh, yeah, it's on our earlier flyers and stuff. I, I, I think it's got a picture of a uh, Vlad on it too. Actually, could, could be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we used to do, you know, again pre-internet. So I mean, I, it was all paste up to do a flyer back then. So uh, I used to take newspaper and magazines and cut all the letters out, you know, punk rock kind of style and. And use those as my uh, typesetting, so to speak. And uh, yeah, so it was fun, you know. It was so grassroots back then with all of the fanzines that were Xeroxed, copied, and all the demo tapes. And it was just so belonged to the kids of that era. You know, they just owned it. And the, the major labels, they had no clue, you know, until it started to make money for somebody then they come sniffing around but uh early on it was just really a just a great great scene that i don't know that it will ever you know be duplicated and it came right after the new wave of british heavy metal too which was cool so it was kind of like a one-two punch of awesome of awesomeness you know yeah one reason i don't think it'll ever happen again is um Everybody's just so divisive now. You know, I, I, I think a big thing that played, even though I didn't live through it, but uh, that played into a big part of the brotherhood of metal, if you will, was just that, you know, everything was just sort of forming and being defined, you know, re- real innovations as far as styles were going on. Mm-hmm. And now and now you've really got your separate sub genres and people are so ridiculously adamant about it. I just <laughs> I hate that shit. listen to my stuff from the eighties. <laughs> yeah. Well, generally, you know, when a scene begins, you know, or a movement like that, when it's pure in its early, you know, infancy stage, uh, it, it's everybody is, is, is doing their own thing. And then it kind of becomes a cookie cutter thing after a while where people say, Oh, this is successful or labels say, this is a successful sound. And we're going to go with this, you know, this Marshall crunch of Metallica and anthrax, you know, and that's the standard, you know, and it's great. But back when it was all starting, there were, you know, a hundred different bands with a hundred different styles that were all playing really cool stuff, you know, 
that probably that didn't get picked up by labels or you know but uh you have to be true to yourself you know yeah i like what i like i'll i'll listen to rise the mutants and then move on to asia by steely dan right afterwards you know (laughs) right Actually, right. that sounds like a really good idea. I think I'm going to do that after this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Steely Dan is awesome. What's the uh, biggest biggest accomplishment you've had with Impaler? With Impaler? Yeah. Uh, well, I think it's just been an ongoing thing. I'm probably staying together 35 years. <laughs> mm. 36, 37 years now, I think. Right. Yeah. Um. Uh, just boy. I mean, one of the things that really blew me away was uh, they there was a tribute album that was put together for us, and there's bands from all over uh, the wow. U.S. and Canada and overseas that covered our songs, and um, that blew my mind. Yeah, that's cool. I was very proud of that. Um, you know, when people cover your music and stuff, and wow. are inspired by it and want to play play it, that's really cool. Hmm. Um. You know, having the first album come out, that that's a feeling that you just, like, uh, dream about all your life. And then when it happens, that's very special. Right. And just all of the controversy that it got and stuff, really <laughs> made it kind of icing on the cake, too. You know, that was more than I ever dreamed would happen. You know? Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, those kind of things. I mean, playing with my, my friends, that's the biggest thrill to me. You know, I love the guys in my band. They're great guys and they're great players. And it's just so fun to be with them and create with them. Mm. So I would say those are the best things about being an impaler, the things I'm most proud of. Uh, also, I was looking on your Facebook. You don't have a website or anything? No, impaler.com. You have a MySpace. We did. Yeah, we had impalershackbook.com <laughs> for. And what yeah. happened? <laughs> That just became a pain in the ass to keep it yeah. updated and stuff. And it, like, you know, you could have my first MySpace was free, and then yeah. Facebook was free. So we're kind of cheapskates, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Blame it. most bands are doing that now, anyways. But when I saw MySpace on, I'm like, who still uses MySpace? Yeah, I don't know. That's like <laughs> an old link or something. I don't know. That was probably put on as a link back when MySpace was was in a ghost town. You know. <laughs> I actually like MySpace better than this Facebook stuff. Like with MySpace, you can create a, a page, you know, and make it look right. the way you want it to. Your own, yep. Yeah. And, you know, they had great music on there. You could, you had the music on there. That was the big thing for me. And you could go down a rabbit hole following uh, bands that you liked, and then they were friends with other bands, and you could get turned on to all kinds of bands and then seek out their, their, uh, releases you know and buy them right Um, that's what i did anyway and so i i really missed that when that went i don't understand how that went i I think it made a comeback or something actually your link still works so it's still on. yeah i i looked at it like about a year ago i clicked on it just to see what the hell was there and and it was like you could still click on some songs and hear more music so i figure that's a that's important if somebody stumbles across it they can actually hear what we sound like so yeah. i'm good with that but i, I just don't <laughs> understand how that w- would go away and be replaced by facebook i don't understand but yeah. there's a lot i don't understand <laughs> as i get older there's more and more things i don't understand <laughs> yes the world is changing too fast even for me a young uh, fellow like you 
I'm very young. I'm really, really young. Younger than me. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I just look young. Greg, you have something? Because I see you moving. Oh, no. I was just going to say, originally in 1999, it was www.impaler.homepage.com. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was another cheapskate move. Yeah, because we didn't have to pay for homepage. You remember that? <laughs> I think yeah. that was the dial-up, probably. When it, you know. Yeah. That was what I stumbled upon at the library. <laughs> was it? Was it homepage? Yeah, yeah I yes. forgot about that. That yeah. was that. Yeah, but for many years we had impalershockrock.com, um, yeah. and then we just kind of let it just let it go. Yeah. So if anybody wants to buy your albums, where do they go? Just Amazon. Yeah, it's on iTunes, Amazon, uh, any music outlet. It's available. We we're distributed through uh, MVD in Oaks, Pennsylvania, oh, and uh, so they uh, uh, they have it available everywhere. And you can get it straight at MVD. You can order stuff there too. Okay, because yeah, I was actually looking for your stuff on the Amazon app because I use the Amazon app once in a while. But I didn't see you guys on there. You're on the Spotify app, though. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know they sell some of our. Our music's on Amazon if you want to buy it. Like the physical no. CD, yeah. Yeah. But the MP3 yeah. or whatever is not on there. So oh, I also get, get that look at too. Yeah, I better check. Uh, I believe the split is still available on Bandcamp too. Is it? I didn't even know we were on Bandcamp. But that's the thing yeah. to be on. Yeah, oh, the that's split is, you it. know why the split's yeah. on there? Because Rip Snorter's on Bandcamp. Yep. Yep. That that makes oh. sense. Yeah, that's that's why it's there. Yeah, so I don't know. You probably go down to your hardware store and buy it. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we can make it happen. They got a little box of them on the counter. Not lo- no fooling I, though. I, I, that's... I gotta have somebody make me up a counter display though, so the album's hanging out of your mouth. <laughs> a cardboard cutout. Yeah. yeah. We used to do that. We used to do that. My old band, because um, my most of my band lived in Queens, and there's tons of places in Queens to go put your albums, like coffee shops, just anywhere. They would just go to any place that they go to normally, and just ask, "Can we put our CD on your counter?" And we just made up a nice little box, uh-huh. and threw our stuff up there, and people were buying it. Yeah. Hey, it's good. You know, yeah. money comes right to us. You know, take some to the bowling alley. You know, Thank I mean, you. anywhere somebody's going to buy it, want some metal. Yeah, I'd say. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Earl had some little boxes made up at one point that would sit on the counter, and you know he was friends with other record, you know, people in town and the people that did record conventions here. So Earl was really good with all that kind of stuff, yeah. marketing ideas. Always got to keep it uh, going there. Anything else, Greg? Nope, that's it. That's it. All right, it's a wrap. I don't want to keep you too late. Yeah, I ran out of hams. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't really run out. I've got more in the fridge. I'm sure, you do. Yeah. I don't have another one I'm, here. I'm almost. I'm almost out of my Zevia. Yeah, All right. Diet, diet soda. Diet soda. <laughs> and Greg's not <laughs> drinking anything. No, no I've got, got a, a Dr. Pepper got or got something. A yeah. Pib extra. Oh, Dr. there you Pepper. go. How dare you? 
This uh, is a Mr. Pib. This is a respectable soda. He doesn't put on airs by pretending to be this doctor. Yes. <laughs> the of I don't think we have Pib down here anymore. Or, or, Yeah, we would be down here from you guys. Yeah, We don't have Pib. Well, no Pib. Like Lee Ving once said, New York's all right if you like saxophones. Yeah. But, uh, that's a great album. Else. <laughs> oh, before we go with you, um, mm-hmm. we have a, I, made, I made a Spotify playlist of uh, people that we've had on our show, and mm-hmm. I have them pick uh, one song that got you into wanting to be a musician, mm-hmm. and one current song that you're into. Um, okay, let's see. Um, so, one that got me into music in the first place was School's Out by Alice Cooper. When I heard that riff, that blew my mind. It was like so fat you could hang grandma and grandpa on it, you know. (laughs) One of the great rock and roll riffs. So School's Out by Alice Cooper would be an old one. And then the newest thing I just listened to, I like Lucifer a lot. Nick from uh, Helicopters and Entombed, his new band. So they just did a cover of Paul Stanley uh, uh, together as one. Really? So, yeah, oh, wow. it's really cool. It's going to be on uh, Australian release or something. Uh, it's going to be a bonus track on a. Oh, of course. On an import. I'm yeah. going to have to check that out. I love that song. Yeah, and they do it really well. They do it cool. And I like their new. The, I've got to get their new album, but the songs I've listened to on Lucifer 3, mm-hmm. I like them a lot. So. Yeah, they're really good band. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's so fun to find bands like that, you know. Yeah. So you still that, keep up with the new bands? I do. Mm-hmm. I do. Uh, but, you know, the the majority of my time I spend listening to music, I really am listening to old stuff. I still listen to the old stuff all the time. I've not get, I, I listen to Aerosmith Rocks um, multiple times in a week. You know, Motorhead, Ace of Spades, same thing. You know, it's just like uh, I always go to those albums. Right. And uh, so I don't, I do try and find new bands, you know, and my son is really helpful with that too, because he's in his thirties. So he, he pursues it a little harder than I do. And then he brings me stuff and says, you got to check this out, you know? So, so I thank Zach for that. Dr. Corpse. Dr. Corpse. <laughs> uh-uh. I love that horn. Oh yeah. It's so damn funny. <laughs> If I start talking too much, he's got a bike horn, you know, with the with the rubber. Uh, right. Yeah. With the the uh, what do you call, you call it? it? Yeah. The, yeah. The I know what you, yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. So, All right. Well, thank you very much, Bill, for coming on. I had a lot of fun. It was yeah, great thanks, to Bill. get to know you. It was really cool. Yeah, my pleasure. Good to know you too. It's good to meet another wrestling fan. Yeah. That's always a plus. Yeah, every time I want to talk about wrestling, uh, it, Greg and the other guy that's on the show, they don't really watch it, so it, it just goes over their head, so I don't even bother. Well, because I'm usually arguing with him about some egregious thing he has to say about <laughs> the history of metal. But Well, did you watch the last WrestleMania? Yes, I unfortunately, uh, yes, I did. With, like, <laughs> uh zero people in the audience so. yes yes so uh <laughs> it's it was interesting my son's take on it was uh they did they tried to do some little things where they kind of did 
cinematic kind of build up to the matches yes. and 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 those were the best parts of the whole thing i think yeah mm. well he mentioned that but then he said but you know it's not wrestling it's no. <laughs> he's kind of old school and, but right. yeah he he he's been following it you know in up until recently but he's kind of gotten tired of it mm-hmm. and so he's been going on his network every monday night he watches he started watching Nitro and Raw from the beginning of the of the Monday Night Wars. Yeah. Oh, cool. So he's he's doing that weekly for his part of his wrestling fix. So wow. Yeah, the good old days. Now it's just I don't even know. Now he's it's even kinda, harder to watch it. He's kind of big on, and I don't remember what the um the the name of the alliance is, but it's a it's a Facebook only. Uh, wrestling alliance and i think billy corrigan had something to do with it um oh uh, i know he's back with nwa is he yeah okay maybe i'm not but i, I guess this was just youtube was the only way you could watch these matches yes. and he said it's yeah, really old uh, school it's like one yeah, it's N- light over the ring yeah yep, that's and, nwa you'd probably oh. like that because it, yeah it's it's cool yeah I, i've been planning on trying to get to watch it work's been crazy and then it's just like a I, I doze off about seven thirty. <laughs> in the easy boy. So well, I believe I'm they're only like an hour. Time. What's that? I'm up past my bedtime. Oh, I'm being sorry. funny. I'm kidding. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but, uh, those wrestling shows, I think they're only an hour, so it's not like uh, too long. Yeah, yeah. I'll definitely yeah. excuse me. Check them out. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But uh, again, thank you very much for coming on thank the show. Thank you guys. My pleasure. And what is your Facebook? So if people want to go to your Facebook page, do you know? Uh, <laughs> no, you know, I don't know what it is. <laughs> go to Facebook and, and type yeah, in just Impaler. Just type in Impaler. Yeah. Well, there's, there's two Impalers or, or maybe a few Impalers. So is oh, it like, right. There, there have been yeah. so, many people, so many different bands that try and steal our name. Because it's a cool but, name. I, I mean, I guess that just tells you that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But they don't have this awesome closing line. I'm going to quote Bill here because I always loved this quote from you on the back of this promo, Bill. So if you need to get your bloodbath, we'll be waiting in the underground where all the corpses live. (laughs) (laughs) Facebook.com slash Impaler Shock Rock. Oh, I knew Shock Rock was in there somewhere. I didn't want to mislead people. So didn't want to pretend it. like I knew when I didn't. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, please, guys, everybody, go please go check out their website and please check out our, out our website, ratsoundreview.com, and please buy a T-shirt. We need the money. Right on. <laughs> See you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.